Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Oh, okay. So I'm. This is take two, everybody. Sorry, we had some great content. It's probably the best content we've ever had. So you're just gonna have to imagine how amazing it is, and we might try to repeat it. Yeah, life. We had conferences, summer, mm-hmm. children. Oh, <laughs> geometry. We were talking about geometry. Geometry. I'm, yeah. I'm teaching, you were teaching geometry. your daughter. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just noticing how my brain has, has changed over time because geometry was really tough um, in high school. Got, got calculus, got trade. No problem. Those were nothing. Geometry, like my brain mm-hmm. did not work that way. But now that I'm teaching some geometry, I opened up the book and I started reading and it was like, oh yeah, this all makes sense. I don't know how I didn't mm-hmm. understand this in high school. So that, I don't know, maybe I have more spatial awareness now. <laughs> uh, or maybe you've actually had to apply some of those things on occasion. Uh, that's, that's probably true, too. I think, I think the fact that our, our careers are based around problem solving mm-hmm. helps. Because yep. like, that's all we do all day. Or look for typos. One of the two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Typos are the bane of my existence. We actually have a typo in some of our production code that I don't think we'll ever fix. It's like transposition of two letters, mm-hmm. but that that like that string is used in a, as an identifier in data at rest. And so, oh, like man. with without <laughs> you know, and not in a database, like in a big you know JSON document. So, uh, yeah, typos. Yeah, be careful. I always, uh, always, always always comment on a PR when there's a typo. <laughs> it could come back to bite you <laughs> if you catch it. That's I mean, I have done yeah. PRs and looked. Well, this is why I like small PRs too. But I've done some right. where somebody typed "receive" and my brain was like, oh, "Yeah, that I and E, they're in the right order. Whatever, move it on." Nope, they weren't. Um, I just had a problem yesterday, two days ago. Uh, I was working on Proto Hackers that I sent you. Um, kind of, kind of working on Proto Hackers. Eh, really trying to set up a way to make it easy to work on Proto Hackers because mm-hmm. I feel like if I have the base Gen TCP server, that anyway, I'll tell you what Proto Hackers is after this. But I was trying to start a Gen server, and it kept telling me that Startlink didn't exist. And I was oh. like, I was like, yes, it does. And it, it was because my gen server, I typoed the name. <laughs> and even reading the air, I couldn't, couldn't get it. <laughs> that the, the whole module didn't exist. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So everything was listed under proto hackers and I had put poto hackers. Um, <laughs> Which then when I finally saw the typo, it just made me hungry for potatoes. So I'm now a potato hacker. (laughs) I don't know. So, yeah. Speaking of things that frustrate me. Hmm. Not only typos. So I started to tell you this. What the heck is the point in Ecto Multi? Maybe at one point we needed it. I don't think we need it anymore. And it drives me nuts. I think it resists any sort of like change that you need 
to make to to what's going on. It makes you think about your functions in a like your database interaction in a completely different manner. So once you like switch over to it, you have to do some crazy stuff. And then if you want to switch back away from it, you have to do a bunch of stuff. And then you have like, well, I want this function to be able to work in a multi or not in a multi. So I either wrap it in multi run or, uh, or I make two different functions and like one returns you a query that you can put into an update all in a multi and the other one doesn't update all or may work completely differently. And in some cases that may be okay, but I don't think we need it. It's uh, I'm going to Hey, Keithley. Ecto multi is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I, I have a, a slightly different perspective with it, but I, I do see where you're coming from. I think that if you, if you have a greenfield opportunity where you can design your database schema in a way that makes it easy to update multiple records at once, then absolutely do that. I think where EctoMulti gets more useful is where you have updates to be done that are unrelated, like in unrelated tables. Uh, so, and then, then it's about like, well, you're, you're building up a data structure that represents the transaction rather than trying to, and even then this may not be that useful, but trying to make a, like just a, you know, Ecto transaction with pass it a, you know, zero argument function, right? Mm-hmm. And then it runs everything inside that inside a transaction. Like that's the other way you could do it. Yeah, sort of, I, you know, straightforward like. code. <laughs> you know, there there is some argument to be made about if you have steps and like any of the steps could fail and you want to report on which one failed. So it could either recover or take some other kind of action. I can so, see an argument for that so or like I, dependencies between steps. I, I do um, the, I do that and I inside the repo transaction, and I think it's actually a lot simpler inside mm-hmm. the repo trend. I you know, okay, so I was talking to somebody at ElixirConf about it, and he brought up like once we have with. Um and, yeah. and he, friend of the show, I can't say his name. I told him, I said, Hey, do you want to come on and talk about this? Cause this has been driving me nuts too. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, no, nobody knows who I am. And I like it that way. So you know okay. who you, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> so like he talked about it and that's what I do too, is I use with, and then you mm-hmm. can do a uh, transaction, like however you cancel the transaction. I can't remember. And you pass it a term and it'll return an error tuple with that term okay. attached to it. And you can give it, all kinds of data so you can still capture you can also just raise the right? problem like i mean if that's if that's what you want to do right <laughs> <laughs> so you can still you can still get the same kind of information and then most of the time at the end of the multi i don't want to return the whole multi everything that happened sometimes maybe right but a lot of times like i just care about like the first model that kicked everything off or I called it a model, not a model data, but yeah. And it, I think that makes sense, especially if you do have like your data is sort of tree like in, in that you can, you can take the thing, the primary thing you were updating and all of its related things and just return that as, as one piece mm-hmm. of data like that, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, that one, of, one of the apps that we first started using Ecto multi on, uh, we ended up switching to 
the form that you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. when we designed it such that you could do deep updates, like in a really consistent way, mm-hmm. kind of in the way that Ecto wants you to do them, then we didn't need multi anymore. Right. So like, you know, if you can if you can structure it that way, it's way better. Are you less saying to maintain, like maintain, less to think about. Like schema association updates? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If if you've got if you got a very parent child type relationship in your in your schema. Yeah, and I had um, that in the last app. Now, there there were situations where they were tangent, and I still found the the not ecto multi to be. Mm-hmm. A, a, I mean, it was it was simpler to change and to update and to really like read the code. Yeah, yeah. I did. I do like the multi paradigm. I think it's a. I, I think like digging into that whole module and seeing how that data structure is put together is really enlightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I don't know. I just feel like there's better ways with Ecto. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and maybe we could take you could take Ecto multi as a as a inspiration for how to do your own kind of state machine type things. Mm-hmm. And I say state machine, not in the, like if it, if it's completely linear, right. If it's, you know, step by step by step, maybe a workflow is probably better. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's uh, yeah, th- it is, it is a lot of added complexity. Like I, I think I would probably reach for it if I were updating a legacy app or something that came from some other, you know, language uh, paradigm, etc. When do you think it's, the right choice when you don't know ahead of time which queries and updates you need to do for instance because you can build up a multi by merging them together um so you might take some input and um like in inside you can in, like you can inside a run function i think you you can mm-hmm. do this. You can call something else that returns a multi, and you and merge that into your into your your entire transaction. So it like extends it as it's running. Yeah, the, um, and a multi merge. I saw. I've seen too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, you just and, you just or, took the wind out of my anger sails. Ah, <laughs> well, I mean, I think the still the point stands that. Like if you don't have to use it, don't run from because it. it like they, <laughs> it's inherent complexity. It's you. It has high utility, but it's inherent complexity. And then you have to deal with like it kind of not completely, but it kind of exposes some of the implementation bits to you that you really would rather not know. Mm-hmm. Especially in the return types, you know the three and four tuples is really unwieldy. I think like yeah. I would actually rather have a struct that says this is ecto multi result or something. And then you could access individual fields, but I don't know. Every time I get a multi error, I have to go like every time I need to deal with one, I have to go remember and look up. What does this struct even look right. like? <laughs> <laughs> or I've, I will also make things fail on purpose so that I can just look at the struct as I'm writing the code. I'm like, ah, oh, just make it fail. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then testing. Like testing it is really hard because now you've possibly got some combinatorial issues. Like, well, how do I make this step fail? And how do I test that, you know, the outcome is what I want. 
Yeah, like once you want to start testing those steps in isolation, now the code gets even harder to read because all you do is you have a big giant thing that just merges a bunch of multi-steps together or a chain that starts with a multi and passes through a bunch of your own name functions that all expect a multi. And that's where I run into Mm -hmm. is like, okay, I want this thing to happen in the multi. And then I, at other times, I want it to happen alone. And so I either go ahead and use a multi and just wrap myself around doing that, that return type. Cause it's different than the regular repo mm-hmm. return types. Right. So I have, I'm like, okay, well I'm either going to always use a multi so I can, everybody has the same type of return types and they can just, they know how to deal with it. Or I make two different functions that one has underscore multi at the end of the name. <laughs> or yeah, or may, I leave maybe. the names the same and let it pattern match on a multi, but then then like I'm doing the work like twice. Yeah. And I hate it. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that like indicates that either what like that that the abstraction of ecto multi or 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 either the layer that we tend to use it at is um crossing interface boundaries in a bad way Mm -hmm. and and so you're you're kind of getting details leaked into into both sides because you like let's just say you you had a function that says you know i'm going to take uh you know and and this is a a straw man but i'm going to take an id of some record and some attributes of that record to update even that can be problematic because now you have to decide am i assuming that I'm using some global repo or am I taking the repo as a reference or not as a reference, as an argument to that function, which the multi passes through. Right. Yeah. And then do you, if, if you want to run it without the multi, do you have like a default argument of the repo that you would expect it to be from, you know, like little details like that feel like, eh, maybe this is just like operating at the wrong level of abstraction. Cause it, it should f- Ideally, it should feel like here's a runtime to build complicated transactions, and you can just plug it in when you want. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work like that. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm processing that that last statement. You want a runtime to do complicated transactions. Like, or you you want to not care about what that runtime is. You like you you want the hooks to say here's a sequence of steps. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, Ecto Multi is both the sequence and the runtime. Yes. And you kind of don't want it to be. Well, Maybe there's not a good way to build that abstraction. I don't know. I, is it because the things have to happen in a specific order? Is that why that it, it muddies that? Why, why couldn't I do that with a list? Like, why, why is my sequence of steps not a list? Mm, yeah. And then what you... you change each thing in the list into a result but then you how does your next step if it depends on the previous one or previous the third one up from where it is know where that data is located so that's why you have the step names yeah so i guess I mean, it could be it, like a keyword list right true because you could have the step I, name maybe, and the result. Maybe, just, maybe we're just raging against the ecto multi-machine here but uh <laughs> I know somebody. Like, somebody's you know, going to message me after this and be like, "Hey, dummy, 
here's here's how it works and i'm gonna be like oh i just was abusing it that's for, that usually <laughs> usually what i find out whenever i get really mad about something is that somebody comes along and they're like you just don't know what you're doing yeah and maybe maybe that's reason enough to avoid it um <laughs> it's just like you know you, you have to take on this complexity maybe you can do something simpler without it um, yeah and like, and then just keep pushing the edge of that code until you absolutely need all the features that it has, or you know, eighty percent of them. And and that's where I'm like, I don't know what it, I don't know what it has that repo transaction with a width doesn't have, other than building it up over time. If this is something that mm-hmm. I can store and act as a continuation and add to it later, like you know maybe multiple requests later, maybe we're building up something through like a wizard API or, or, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to execute it at the end of 12 steps that are all getting information from the user. Okay. Now, now I'm like, okay, yeah, now I'm multi is probably pretty good. But then again, at that point where you're saying is like, can it, can I just get a list of steps? Maybe. Maybe if they're not super interdependent on the previous step, other than the fact that if one of them fails, you want them all to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it would be useful in that case, like a wizard API where you've got, you fire up a gen server for their wizard that just holds on mm-hmm. to the multi and, you know, receives commands to add things to it. And then when they, you know, finish the wizard, it runs all of those steps. I don't know if that's actually useful in the context of a, a web app where that isn't live view. Because <laughs> I would expect that you'd want people to be able to flip back and forth between steps and see the data that they'd already entered. But um, Well, the data in, you in entered, case it, the, the data you entered is just the attribute params that you entered so we can repopulate right, a form. So, so then why isn't it just a change set, right? Yeah. I mean, they have to be disparate things. Mm-hmm. That you need to happen in a transaction, otherwise it could just be a change set. Like I, here, here's where um, one of the things that I used it for, and then was like, nope, I'm going back to repo transaction. It was way more complicated than this, but I'm going to put it down to just two things. I update a record in the database. That record has a side effect that it needs to update something else that is tangentially related, maybe a lot of something else's, right? So um, uh, here, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I have, I have a bakery, and I have ingredients, and I have a list of orders, and those orders all take ingredients, right? So now I am going to bake something, and I need to take out, hey, I use this much flour, So we take that flower out and it has a side effect that all of the orders that aren't complete, maybe we need to say, Hey, that's, that's a, that order needs to be recalculated to make sure that we have like can, can fulfill it with our current flower. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we need to order more flower. So you mark things as stale or something in the database so that some other process picks them up and, and runs with them. That's the kind of thing that is completely disparate where I'm like, uh, okay, I can use a with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, either that, or you've got some like a really ginormous SQL statement 
to update all those records. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and so what I usually end up doing there is just the, the normal update for one and then an update all to mark all of those as stale mm-hmm. and then move on. And if there's a failure in marking them all as stale, yeah, I need to roll back. The client code knows nothing about that and doesn't care. It only cares if that original change set blew up. Like, is that a problem where they need to be like, oh, I need to, I accidentally put a negative number in for my cups of flour. You know, Hmm. I have, I have some kind of input error that they can handle because not marking things as stale is not their problem. That really needs to just say, uh oh, crap happened. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> you know, our, <laughs> the engineers have been notified and we've ordered them pizza since they'll be working late today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I could see, I could see why you would do that. But again, like you say, with the tran, you know, repo transaction, it's probably way easier. And then if I have 10 places that mark that thing as stale and a function that I just want it to mark as stale, like mm-hmm. m- maybe just because there's something in the system that we haven't figured out and we have a background test that just marks everything as stale once a day because we're, we're still trying to figure out how does this get out of sync? You know? Yeah. And so then now I have two functions and again, the caller does probably doesn't care about that second step failing. So they don't need that error return tuple. Right. So maybe I raise, you know, whatever. Or I can build my own error return and mm-hmm. make it look like a normal transaction or normal. Have an error inside an okay. I've never done that. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> no. So from the transaction, I, I, sh- I feel like I need to go look this up, but you like, so what if you took that original change set that came in from the first thing and you could attach some error to it that makes sense to the user that ends up on that front end? Maybe. I don't know. That feels mm. like you're conflating that mod, that schema then. But, or, or you, you, but you get control over what that looks like a lot more. And I guess you still could with multi. You just got to grab it inside of that same thing. But I don't know. It always mm-hmm. starts to look ugly. That's my gripe for the day. It's a good gripe. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You're welcome. I hope somebody tells me why I'm wrong. It's always good to find out that, you know, our assumptions are are wrong and things are actually better. Yeah. Yeah. I hope hope our our listeners are able to find that for you and say, Amos, did you see this? If you tell me why I'm wrong, then I just get a new tool for my toolbox when I understand it better. That's true. Right? It's like, I hate hammers. Every time I have a screw, it takes me forever to get it in, and I usually split the board. <laughs> and then somebody's like, well, hey, dummy, here's this thing called a screwdriver, and that's not how you're supposed to use a screw. Here's a nail. Maybe that's what that's for nails. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. So yeah. tell me I'm wrong. I might fight you about it. So tell me I'm wrong, though. <laughs> You you already got one of them, though, building it up over time. Yeah. I mean, I still think that's a pretty narrow case. It could be hard. You'd have to have a pretty complicated set of steps that you might produce um, in, order to, in order to make that worth it. 
Yeah. Like doing your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I know we got started late because we recorded 15 minutes of a show with only one microphone working. Yep. But I know we both have busy days, too. So, yeah. Thanks for the little rant session. Yeah, it was good. And uh, I hope uh, some folks come out to see you at Strange Loop. Hey, me too. And just there this week, right? Just like our last show, you will hear this after Strange Loop. So if you're hearing this, sorry we missed you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, um, I'm going to be at Codebeam also, right? So. That will say early. And if you want a ticket to Codebeam, this I will, instead of looking, I wouldn't look up documentation earlier, but this I will look up. We have a discount code for Codebeam. Let me find it. Should I sing it into the microphone? All right. The discount code is Outlaws Discount 15 with a capital O and a capital D, no spaces number 15 and it'll get you 15% off. Excellent. So put that into your event right when you check out and they also have virtual tickets available. So very nice. You can, you can come that way or in person. So it's going to be in the Bay area again, right? It is going to be in the Bay area again. Yeah. Um, Excellent. And we've got some pretty, pretty cool speakers. I'm really excited to see what they're talking about. Just talked to Randall Thomas the other day. Uh, I always find his talks to be spot on and entertaining. So looking forward nice. to that. He's put he's putting together a secret panel. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear it or hear. There is deep, no secret panel. Deep tease. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So maybe maybe before uh, before we get here to the to the thing happening we'll tease some more people although you can just go to the website and see all who's coming it'll be good it'll be good lots of really awesome people yeah i am always um i'm always impressed with the content at codebeam so there's always really good talks to attend and it's also nice to see Folks who um, maybe last year were kind of new to the community show up in the speakers list. For example, oh, yeah, Mackenzie nice. Morgan uh, was very I'm new really to excited. the Beam community. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited um, for her talk and, and friend of the show, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Mitch Mach. That's not his last name. You'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's just like there's a lot of fantastic talks going on, and and uh, going to be some really interesting talks from the. Uh, Crichton, Crichton team, Boyd's, cool. Boyd Moulter's team. Uh, they're talking about their secure operating systems and and uh, some pretty neat stuff going on from that team. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. All right. I'm yeah, just gonna be great. I'm just gonna read everybody on here if we stay on here much longer. <laughs> and it'll be my well, first in person code beam. Excellent. It is way more fun in person than in virtual. All right. Well, good. I'm excited and excited to get back to San Francisco. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well, have fun and, uh, you know, tell everybody I said, hi, 
I'm I will. Not, not going to be there, unfortunately. <laughs> and that's a list of conferences I won't be at this year. But I understand. That's all right. I'll tell everybody at Papers We Love that you said hi also. Yeah, I've already uh, talked with Zeeshan and uh, gave him my regrets. But nice. uh, Friend of the show, Zeeshan. Friend, friend of the show. Yeah, and actually he just started this, this week at, uh, at Fission with Quinn in Brooklyn. Oh man. And, uh, and so he's, uh, he's going to be, you know, the, the second researcher on Quinn's team. That team just keeps getting smarter and smarter every time I hear about it's, it. They are going to do amazing stuff. It's a think tank and I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll catch you later, Sean. You have a wonderful day. Yeah. See Sounds you. good.